Hello everyone, my name is Rick, Rick van Bruggen from Neo Technology, and here I am again recording the second podcast of this year. I know it's only two months into the year, so I've been slacking. Picking but... up the pace, picking up the pace again. <laughs> yeah, picking up the pace again. And um, for this second episode, I've invited a returning guest to our podcast, uh, and that's uh, my friend and colleague Alastair Jones from the Neo Technology Engineering Team. Hi, Alastair. Hello, Rick. Hey, thank you for uh, making the time. I know you're a busy man these days, so uh, thanks for thanks for taking the time. Um, Alastair, the reason why I invited you back is because I know you've been hard at work in the engineering team on some of the really big new features in Neo4j. Yeah. Um, 3.1 was released at GraphNet San Francisco last year. Or no, it was actually announced and it was released a little bit later. But um, one of the biggest new features in Neo4j 3.1 was the new clustering architecture, right? Yeah. And that was part of what you and your team were working on? Yeah, it was a really big thing for us, actually. Uh, so we've been working on this area for uh, nearly two years, actually, building this new clustering architecture. Wow. And as you know, uh, Neo4j is... Is a, is a cluster database. You run yep. over, designed to run over multiple servers, um, and we've we've had that in place for we've had uh, clustering in place for uh, six or seven years in Neo. Yep. Um, this is the biggest change we ever made by miles. It's, it's a huge, huge um, upgrade of all the technology around the clustering. Wow, I remember, you know, like in version one point eight, it was like Zookeeper uh, that was doing some. Yeah, we work. had we've had a we had a, a small change in uh, in in the one point nine release yep. um, back back in the day. Back in the day, uh, yes. This, it's, this is this is a much this is a much bigger release in in, in three point one. Um, so what's it all about? So uh, the the first part of it is is getting up to date. So the world around us has, has moved on. Mm -hmm. And one of the great things about doing engineering at Neo is that you is that we can take uh, research from academia and actually apply it. So uh, re reasonably recent stuff that uh, if people love to read read the academic papers and, and uh, blog about it, um, we can go and you know, we read all those and and some of those things we can we can put them fairly quickly into the product. So uh, for us th this time it was uh, doing. Uh, the RAF protocol, um, which is a consensus algorithm. Okay. So what that means is getting agreement between uh, participants, so computers in this uh, in this case. Yeah. Uh, we, we members of the cluster, right? Yeah. So in in this case, it's different computers, different different servers in the cluster, and getting consensus between those uh, between those servers when uh, the servers themselves and the communication between the servers is potentially unreliable. Yep. So you need to account for that unreliability in the in the design. Mm -hmm. um, now we already had a uh, we know a little bit about consensus algorithms because we uh, previously back in that one point nine release we uh, we implemented Paxos, okay. um, and at the time that was what that was the kind of state of the art thing to do. Uh, Raft, you could argue, at some theoretical level, is is the same thing, but it's uh, much more clearly structured. Um, Raft is the this new is, consensus pr protocol, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Um, so uh, it actually is it, uh, from Diego Ungaro, um, is, is the lead um, researcher in this area, and it's really well, it's really impressive how it's how it's described. It's actually aimed to be simple to understand and to explain. 
Yeah. Uh, and that makes it really uh, it's, it's, that makes it really good to implement because you can be very clear about what you've done. You can see the direction that you've, that you've gone. In. Um, so we changed from one consensus algorithm to another. Yeah, um, which is a big change. We, 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 yeah. Which is a big change, but it's it's also architecturally it's totally different because um, previously we were using Paxos to agree on membership of the cluster. Yep. So actually, a very small amount of data. Mm -hmm. Not that many servers. They don't go that often. Yeah. Now what we're doing is we're using Raft and we're using it for every single transaction in the database. So every single node, relationship, property you create in the database, it goes through the Raft protocol. You've got consensus across across the cluster. Um, and what that means is that every single change is agreed to by a majority of the cluster. Okay. So no matter what happens in terms of loss of connectivity or failure of a minority of the serv of the servers. Still, the, the the cluster as a whole agrees on what on what the, the state is as you as you move forward. So, um, sounds yeah. a bit like open heart surgery to me. Uh, yeah, it's quite a major it's quite a, it's quite a major change, but it's um, it, it's actually really nice once you've got that super solid foundation, you can build a whole load of things on on, on top of it. Um, so it's yeah, it's extremely solid for storage, like the the most. Uh, reliable, we could we could make it, um, and it stores um, every single transaction in this uh, replicated log across all the members of the cluster, and also as the membership changes, that's agreed to the protocol as well. So you know at every time who the people were, who, who the servers were, who were allowed to to vote on transactions and to get them committed. So it's it's, it's uh, the whole thing is very tightly integrated into the into the core of the clustering. So I, I I would never claim that I understand everything about it, but what I've read is that you know it's very different architecturally in terms of you know previously we had masters and slaves, now we talk about cores and edges, right? Yeah. So that's the second that's the second part of this is that um, we were aiming to have uh, to to have much larger clusters than people who previously been running in Neo. Okay. I mean, it's been around for a long time, and previously people used to think of having three, five, ten servers as being a large database cluster. Yeah. Now people want to run hundreds of servers, and we have customers and users running in you know two hundred servers in a in a database cluster. Yeah. Um, we want to be able to go higher than that, and. The uh, consensus algorithm that we were using before, that the, the design of it, or the, the membership, yeah, it had a it had a kind of uh, it had it had a sort of limit on, uh, or there was a kind of um, it was hard to get to that scale. And the reason is that all of the servers had to be aware of each other and what they were doing at any stage to basically make sure that they hadn't disappeared. Sure. Um, so that led to heartbeats. Yeah. Going between from every server to every other server, uh, and that ultimately gets very expensive when you have a large number of clusters, a large number of servers. It also gets very difficult when you're committing across all the across the majority of the servers because you have to wait for a, a large number of them to come back before you can say, oh, "Yes, this is now safely committed." Yeah. So just having one huge cluster of raft raft servers. Is not a is, is not a good design for that kind of hundreds of servers or, or thousands of servers design. Yep. So we came up with a new architecture, and what we do now is we divide the uh, the cluster into two uh, groups. We mark some of the servers as being in what we call a core. Yep. Core servers participate in Raft, and they are about safety. They're about storing your data durably. Yep. 
Secondly, we have uh, a large, a potentially much larger group of read replicas. And these are servers that are for running your queries on. Yeah. Um, and read queries, not run yeah, yeah, read, read, read queries. So you don't have to worry about safety here. Yeah. And the idea is these are about um, they're disposable. They're the uh, where you can scale them up and down. Have you know wh when your web traffic is high in a certain time of day, have Just more and more of them. Yeah. Uh, tear them down, tear down your cloud instances when it's quieter, and you can adapt to your to the shape of your traffic with the read replicas. Yeah. Um, what's interesting is that the name read is that we're doing more service of reading. Um, why does that make sense in a, you know, in a database? Has that helped you in a database to have more read-only things? Surely you need them also to write. Well, that's because of the shape of graph data. It's because actually when we look at the, uh, okay, there's a, I'll show you because it's a nice slide. <laughs> we're, we're audio only. There's a really nice slide that shows kind of what, how we see people do stuff with graphs. And what you notice is that the, the write queries, the updates, tend to be quite small. Um, local. Two, two, yeah, two, yeah, yeah. very, very local, like two or three nodes in relationships, um, up to tens, maybe a hundred things in a transaction. Whereas on the read side, the whole point of graphs, you go really fast and people go a long way. They traverse a lot of the graph very in deep. a read transaction. So they're doing um, thousands, hundreds of thousands of, of relationships in one transaction. Now, that's very fast, but it still takes resources. It takes memory bandwidth, it takes CPU to, uh, to, 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 to run these queries. Sure. And that's what people are really hammering their graph with, thousands of these each very big queries. And that's an enormous amount of computational load. We want to spread that across a lot of servers. Yeah. And this is a way to do it, have loads of read replicas that can handle that traffic for you. So it's really helping you in the kind of graph applications, it's a very specific architecture to the type of system that we're building. Very cool. And uh, so as I understand it, the cores, so they're all about the safety and about writing to the graphs yeah. and, the, and the, the, the edge servers are all about reading. Is, is, there, is there any you know, downside to this? Is this, is this all good, uh, good news show all the way around or are there some things that we should uh, take care with? So there's one there's uh, there's one thing that's a slight uh, like challenge here. Yep. The people when they're deploying these type of applications, is that uh, the uh, the transaction is being pushed out from the core out to the uh, to the read replicas. Yep. And there's some um, delay in that happening. It's very small, yeah. but there is some delay. So uh, people call this uh, eventual consistency. Yeah. Um, and this is something that, that you know, we, we're aware of from lots of, you know, modern sort of web systems that you get into this kind of eventual consistency yeah. um, situation. An example of this that could uh, kind of catch you out is, uh, say, you, you uh, hit, you, you do it, you're a user, you make a, uh, you create an account or you make a booking. That's a right transaction. It updates the graph. Yeah. Then when you come to re you refresh your page, we you try another operation, it's a read-only operation, maybe you hit a read replica that hasn't quite seen your update. So for as a user, it almost appears like you the thing you just did has disappeared, like you've gone back in time. It's which the is a read, bit of a read your own rights problem. Yeah, you haven't you yeah. you're just like I can't I can't remember. So what we what we did at the same time as this is uh, we actually added a new a whole new uh, feature that became the name of the whole clustering architecture. 
Yeah. So this is why it's called causal clustering, because we added in a feature uh, of causal consistency. Tell me more about that, because I don't know what that means. <laughs> okay, good. So, uh, causal consistency. So it's, it's actually something that's been, again, from, from, from research. There's some um, uh, academic and industry uh, research in this, in this area, but it's, it's not very commonly implemented. There are only a handful of other implementations out there. Yep. Um, and what it's about is trying to, uh, trying to represent what causally has happened in the user's application, so the cause and effect of the changes that you've made. Mm -hmm. um, practically, it's very easy to use. Uh, what, what happens is that when you, uh, when you update the graph or when you touch the graph in any way, the database can give you a bookmark and this bookmark represents the latest thing that you've changed or the latest thing that you've seen in the database. And then when you make another request to any other server in the cluster, you can supply that bookmark, that same bookmark, and uh, the database will make sure that it has at least as up-to-date a state as the bookmark represents. So the bookmark is just a little string. Okay. Um, and it can come back, it comes back through the database driver into your application code. You can store it in your application server or you can hold on to it temporarily while you make another query or you can send it all the way back to the client. You can send it back to your web browser or your mobile device um, and, and route, it, route it back ultimately to database. So that basically assures that the client of the database always takes into consideration everything that it calls. Yeah, it prevents happen. you from going back in time, yeah, yeah, is, 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 yeah. is what it does. Um, and it, it supports a, a totally uh, stateless architecture between everything between the, the, the user and the database. The database is storing state. Yep. Why should you need to store it anywhere else? So this is idea you don't need sticky sessions, you don't need, um, you don't need to worry about sophisticated routing, just have stateless application servers, pass your bookmark around, and you get causal consistency. Um, that, that's, that's the idea. Wow. Um, and we've, we've tried to make this even easier to use by building some of those the primitives, the kind of passing back and forth, keeping track of things, is built into database drivers. So in 3.0, yeah. Uh, we introduced... Uh, Alt drivers, right? Yeah, the Alt drivers. So the officially supported native language drivers yeah. in your... Oh, and so the new version of the drivers supports the, this bookmarking exactly, yeah. and that gives us the causal... The causal consistency, yeah. Exactly. So let's talk a little bit about the future. You know, what, what, what's coming up? You know, uh, what are you working on now and what, what, what keeps you up at night? And, yeah, well, <laughs> so the next stage, I mean, it's, it's kind of following on logically from where we are now. So the next stage of this is to be... Um, it's, it's a kind of how people actually deploy this stuff. And these days, it's not just a cluster of servers that are running it. That you're using it to, to run a database. It's also a class, it's also servers across multiple data centers and multiple regions um, around the world, around the country, or around the world. So uh, that's what um, the cloud environments make very easy to do to have geographic distribution. Yeah. And we are taking account of that uh, that that feature in the in the product, or okay. that that uh, that usage in the product. So. Uh, what, what we're going to do is, is make uh, the clustering aware of, of data centers and, and, and how they're, how they're organized and allow the client to give uh, hints about why, how might be the best way to serve it. 
So that means that you can be, um, uh, you, you can do your reads from a server that's very close to you with a low latency. Yeah. Um, and uh, you can uh, support you know, fault tolerance across uh, data centers when one of them goes away or explicitly recover in a disaster recovery zone or so, you know, all, all of these different operational scenarios. So, is that something that's coming up in the next couple of versions of Neo4j? Yeah, yeah, so in the, yeah, in the next couple of versions, that's, that's the that stuff's going on. And again, it's it seemed to be seamless all the way through the driver. So um, you can take your write your application once for Neo4j on your laptop, and then it should move move forward. Uh, load balancing built into driver. That's so, very cool. I have one more question. Don't you miss the visualization stuff that you were doing before? <laughs> uh, yes, I, I always miss the visualization. But, uh, I try to spend five a fair time to, uh, to, to, to get back into it every now and then. So. Very yes. cool. Well, thank you so much uh, for spending the time, Alistair. I mean, uh, you know, we want to keep these podcasts fairly, fairly short, but I'm sure we'll uh, include a bunch of links to the documentation and the the blog posts that we wrote about this topic. Really appreciate you making the time and uh, look forward to seeing what's up, what's up next. Thank you very much. Thank you. Bye.